0: This morning's reading is taken from Luke chapter 14 verses 15 to 24, the parable of the great banquet. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it, please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought my five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out, please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, Not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet.
1: Has anyone been to a big party lately? A large sit-down meal, a crowded buffet, a wedding celebration, a special birthday. Isn't it so difficult that we're not allowed to do any of these things at the moment? I expect some of you saw the picture on Facebook and in the news sheet this week, And how we would love to gather around a table like that. Although I don't think there were any bananas on that spread. Sorry, Amanda. Now, somehow this story is all the more interesting. Because it's something to do with what we have missed so much. Here is a wonderful picture of a meal. A celebration. And it actually, this story came... At a time when Jesus was sharing an actual meal in the home of a prominent Pharisee and within that meal Jesus told two stories and this is the second one and this is a story about a great banquet it's not a literal meal here it's rather saying something about the celebration of life to the full with Jesus at the center it's a picture of the Christian life of the kingdom of God both as it is now and all the more as it will be in the future. And so at a time when we ourselves are not allowed to share food with other households at a common table, either at home or in a restaurant, it's particularly pertinent to think about this picture of the kingdom of God as a great gathering of so many people who've been invited by Jesus to enjoy the blessings of life where he is at the centre and where everyone is welcome. We cannot physically gather at this time to share food. But we can still be part of a great gathering of God's people with Jesus Christ today. And this story applies to every single one of us today. And there are four aspects of it that I would like to draw out very briefly. The first is that it says something about the present and the future. The first hearers of this story were guests of a Pharisee for this actual meal which Jesus attended. And they probably thought that Jesus was telling a story about the future. When the Jews were looking forward to a time when the Messiah would come, when they would enjoy a rich feast beyond anything that they'd already known. They probably linked the story in their minds to some words in Isaiah 25 and verse 6. That on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. But Jesus was using this story to say that the invitation of God is not in the future, but rather it is now. Jesus himself, who was a guest at the home of a Pharisee, eating a meal, was now the host in this greater banquet in the story that he was telling Here is new life to be discovered here and now in Jesus as well as something greater in the future. And today we are invited to share in the life of Jesus here and now as well as looking forward to that greater life that we will enjoy in heaven. Each of our sermons in this series about invitations of Jesus is saying something about the life to which Jesus is inviting you and me here and now. And this story is no exception. It's not a story just about the future. It's about here and now. And then secondly, this is a story about mercy and grace. We often think that being a Christian is our choice, our decision, our way of life. But actually the first move is not from us, it's from God. He has invited us to come. Now, in the first century hospitality, the normal pattern was to send an advance invite and then call the guests together when everything was ready. And that's exactly what happened in this story. And we have no right of ourselves to come to a feast where Jesus is the host. We do not deserve to be forgiven of the wrong things that we've done, to be welcomed to his pay table, to be given the gifts of joy and peace and hope All of this is of God's grace. It's only because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and his glorious resurrection that we're able to come to him here and now. And the amazing thing, of course, is that we are all welcome. In this story, there was an initial guest list. And we can rightly assume that the people who were invited originally all said yes. But when the time actually came for the celebration, many of them refused to come. And then others were invited instead. And the master said to his servant, quickly, go to the streets and the alleys of the town and then the roads and the country lanes outside of the town because this invitation was covering absolutely everyone. Compel them to come in was the instruction from the master. Convince them that they are really welcome and that this is for real. Today's invitation from Jesus is to every person that God has created. It includes all the people who you might feel the least comfortable alongside. Whoever they are. The kingdom of heaven is the most eclectic guest list you could ever imagine. Put yourself in the shoes of someone in the story who was living out of town, crouched beneath the hedge on the side of the road in tatty clothes, cold and hungry. And the servant invites them to this banquet. And they look at him and they say, what, me? Am I really welcome? Yes, you are. Because that is God's mercy and grace. Reaching out to everyone who wants to come to him, who can accept that invitation to be part of the company of Jesus today. Yes, in this story, it's something about the present and the future. There's something about God's mercy and grace, but there's also something about pain and loss. Because a significant number of people rejected their initial invitation to come to this feast, and they rejected it at the last minute with lame excuses that were all completely invalid. Indeed, it seems as if the aim of their response was to humiliate the host, prevent the banquet from actually happening. The kind of things that they were saying about checking out fields and trying their oxen were totally unrealistic. In that culture, those things would have certainly been done before any of the purchases were made. And there's more than a hint in this story also to the pain and the anger of God when people deliberately turn away from Jesus Christ. As the information came back to the host, as the servant reported to his master, the owner of the house became angry, became angry. And then towards the end of the story, as the master of the house was speaking to all the guests who had come, he said, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. In the first century, the pain in the heart of God was especially from the rejection of the Jewish nation as a whole, that they could not see Jesus for who he really was, They were threatened by what he said and what he did and they turned their back on him. And so as Jesus was sharing a meal in the home of a Pharisee, he was among those who at that point in time were not receiving this invitation. And God's heart still aches for those who turn their back upon him today. And we're all guilty of this in some way. Sometimes we have lame excuses about why we are not being wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. We say that we're too busy. We allow work and family and leisure and money and all so much else to take the place that primarily belongs to God. And then we wonder why we're not satisfied with our lives. And I think there's a link also here to the global pattern of church. That the church as a whole is weaker In the more affluent and developed countries, and stronger and fast growing in some of the less well developed countries, that some people are turning their back on God, but others are being drawn especially and responding enthusiastically towards Him. Is there a sense in which we, corporately as a church here in Shirley, have lost that cutting edge of Jesus' invitation? that we've put up some lame excuses about our discipleship and we are the weaker for it. The pain is God's and the loss is ours. This story tells us something about the present and the future, about mercy and grace, but it does also say something about pain and loss. But supremely, I believe, this story tells us something about fullness and blessing. And I think that the key phrase in the whole story is at the end of verse 23, when the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. So that my house will be full. The master of the story turns anger into grace. He turns rejection into welcome. He turns disaster into hope. He turns pain into blessing. So that the house of the Lord will be full. Jesus doesn't want his followers today to be a small band of socially distanced individuals who happen to be curious about Jesus. Not at all. The picture of the kingdom of God is a full house, bursting with life with the greatest party ever. Now it feels very strange my saying these words as I stand here in the church that is almost empty this morning because you're all in so many different places but you are still the church and God's people are still a body of people together and whilst it's not possible in a physical sense just now we can be aware That there is a fullness and a blessing through following Jesus today. That the worldwide church is a massive movement of vast numbers of people. And the picture that I get here is of exuberant life, of joyful celebration, of lots of people, of incredible diversity, of great purpose. And that what the church is all about today is a foretaste of that final great banquet in heaven. Now, in terms of our country at the moment, we are seeing some glimmers of hope, aren't we? The roadmap that was given earlier in this week about the easing of lockdown is providing a spark of life, assuming, of course, that things continue in the right direction. But in in kingdom terms, we are not just talking about a glimmer of hope, but an explosion of hope. A great demonstration of joy and faith, of confidence in the master of the banquet, the king of the kingdom, Jesus, who is Lord of all. It's hard to put into words, isn't it? What really means to be excited by Jesus but it has to do with something about a heartfelt thanksgiving to God, about joy in worship, about purpose in living, about peace in times of trouble. It has to do with knowing and sharing the whole fruit of the Holy Spirit, feasting on the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And even in hard times, even when we are separate from one another, Even when we are confined to to our homes, in a spiritual sense, in the kingdom of God, we can share in the feast where Jesus is the host. And he wants to pour and lavish his goodness to us bountifully today. I'm reminded of the words of the Graham Kendrick song, One Shall Tell Another. He longs to do so much more than our faith has yet allowed. To fill us and surprise us with his sovereign power. Where darkness has been darkest, the brightest light will shine. His invitation comes to us. It's yours and it's mine. The master is inviting you to share in his feast today. And to know the fullness of life as we together serve our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I trust that that has lifted your heart this morning and inspired and challenged you in your journey of faith as it has me in mine. We're going to conclude with something that is uh, really a well-known traditional hymn, but it just expresses that goodness of God. To God be the glory great things he has done. Let's enter into this song and then I'll lead us in a final closing prayer.